The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson, AJ Salveson with you here on a Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. AJ, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you? You've been kind of moping around the station all day today. Moping around? Yeah, you like poke your head in one place, then you like you hang your head like you're in trouble and you're walking away. No. Like, no. no one's told you you're in trouble. No. I Well, not yet. You're always waiting for it here. <laughs> I'm always waiting up front from the vice president of radio operations, the Cash Valley Media Group. No. <laughs> so here's the thing. Like, okay. Here's the. <laughs> I love how you brushed that off. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the here's the thing. Like, I've been so excited about this week of basketball. Like, big games for Utah State, San Diego State. And then I was like, oh my gosh, we have short shows Tuesday and Wednesday. So, I mean, and we have two interviews today, Mountain Crest head football coach, Craig Smith at 5 o'clock, and we actually are going to have to tell Craig, hey, we got to keep it short. We, yeah. we have to tell Craig Smith to keep it short. Please keep your answers short, coach. <laughs> I can't imagine. Um, well, so, yeah, pray for us. Yeah, Lord, please. We, you, uh, pray no. for us that he doesn't hang up on us when we ask him to keep his answer short and be pray for us at the interview. No, I'm, but I'm excited to hear what he has to say. I mean, Me too. It, it's been a great start to conference play, but it's uh, definitely the competition gets a little bit more stiff. Uh, Eric, I, I kind of want to know, is there a question that, I mean, outside of San Diego State that you are wanting to know? About about his team so far, or about a certain player. I mean, what well, I think do you have for in mind? me, just there's so many new players on this team when the season started, and it was a little rough earlier on. But this this team really seems to be humming right now. Oh so yeah, just kind of how that progression has taken place. I think that's one of the bigger. Questions. I'm and 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 I don't mean to bite back at our our listeners are awesome. I, they are so incredible. But the argument of that the schedule has allowed them to win by 33 and plus whatever that is. I mean, Boise State had to go on a 20-2 to run just to erase a five-point deficit and win what looked like in a rout. But I, I'm, I'm interested to ask him, you know, the, the schedule has allowed you to win by this amount of margin, but he's got to be impressed with what his team has done in six straight games of domination. And I kind of wonder how he'll and how he'll handle that. And I'm sure he'll he'll give some cliche answer of like, "Look, we got to play, we got to play," or something like that. But still, <laughs> I've been listening to Bill Belichick too much. But uh, yeah, so yeah, that's coming up at five o'clock. So stick around for that. That should be fun. He's always entertaining. Um, but we do have a shortened show, as you mentioned, Utah God. Jazz. Now Skyview is scheduled to play uh, in uh, Pocatello, but we learned that. Um, their district will not allow visiting radio. Really? Yeah. So we're we're trying to fight that. That's uh, that's messed up. Um, but we also learned that uh, Hurricane John is not feeling well. So um, double jeopardy, double double whammy. So, but so we're gonna have the Jazz game tonight. Uh, Jazz will be playing at Cleveland. Please don't suck tonight, please, so guys. They're giving you the radio tips airwaves. Off at five thirty. Please. Pre-game at about 5.20. And so. we have a short show tomorrow because Jazz game, right? Yep. True. So, I mean, we only have really one night to preview the Aggies and Aztecs, and that's going to be on Thursday, really, more or less. Uh, but, we're, I mean, Eric, you, you've done a great job on research. And then, of course, we have Al Lewis, who does – you and I could study for hours and still not get what Al Lewis gets oh, out yeah. of his pregame oh, shows. Yeah. And then uh, John Russell and Jalen Moore will be with them uh, throughout, and it's just awesome stuff what they do. So we'll give you the best uh, we can pos- possible coverage we possibly can. Um, but yeah, nine three one five. I'll just here's a smile to, through the text line to cheer you up. You're awesome. See, Eric, that's what I'm asking from you. Is an everyday uh, way to go, pal. Uh, way to do, it, buddy. You know, you're. You're you're great, you know. <laughs> a little frosty flakes action there, <laughs> Tony the Tiger. Uh, <laughs> you need one of those every morning. Get you started right. Um, I have not been moping. I'm just more. It's more. What is it? 
I think it's just winter. Winter makes you feel depressed, doesn't it? I'm, well, you're a skier, though. So when you love winter, I hate winter. Yes, but I haven't had a chance to get on the slopes just yet. <laughs> so I'm, I'm anxious. <laughs> what? What's going on? <laughs> what is wrong with you over there? <laughs> what do you what remember, is going on, RJ? Do you remember in the office when they're celebrating Kelly's birthday and they say, Kelly, it's your birthday, period. <laughs> and Jim's like, Dwight, really? It's your birthday, period? You can't even put an exclamation point? Well, it's nothing to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, man. Oh, geez. Yeah, I love it. No, it's uh, it's great. We, I'm doing great. I'm happy. I don't know why the... Well, I look like I'm. Sl- I mean, do you want me to walk with some swag? You want me to skip? Should I skip from hall to hall? I might get in yeah. trouble. I might sprain an ankle. I might tear a, a hammy. <laughs> oh, hey. I just got another text. AJ, you're on your game today. Cut out the moping around, though. I'm not moping. See, look what you've done. One one week you've got everyone call me the deflator. Our wonderful <laughs> listeners are are call me the deflator or the ringmaster. And the next week you've got everybody tell me to quit feeling sorry for myself <laughs> when I've actually had a pretty great week. <laughs> People, listen to me. I speak things into existence. Don't you remember that? Uh, another text came through. Maybe you just have bad posture. No, <laughs> that's actually probably true. <laughs> that could be that's, that's really could be true. Uh, and another text just came through. Uh, you are great. I'm sending you a smile. What? What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Can't you feel the love, AJ? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, I love this show. I love my job. Holy crap. Uh, hey. Who's not feeling love are the Ohio State Buckeyes Man. after getting beat down by Alabama. Hey, are you... Uh, Sermon obviously goes as a sermon, right? Yeah. Goes out in the first quarter. How much did that... Did it really topsy-turvy that game Gosh, look on his the, head? Gosh, the kind of game he had against Clemson. Yeah. I mean, he was... He played a huge role. But here's the thing is that what mostly like will be likely uh, your player of the game or player of the week this week, uh, the Devontae Smith, had more yards himself than the entire Ohio State offense. I mean, defensively, they couldn't do anything. They were, they were leaving them 10 yards open. Well, uh, the, there was going to be some question. Could that Ohio State secondary – Take away some of the the what Smith does um, uh, and how good he is, uh, kind of a weapon he is for for uh, Mac Jones, and he they they, they didn't, and he was fantastic. Um, but it, I got to ask you, AJ, Alabama now has won their what is it seventh. sixth. Seventh title, seventh title, seventh under Nick Saban. Seventh man, holy crap! So how does this one compare? I've heard a lot of people saying, "Oh, this has to be considered the best ever." Um, other people are saying, "Really, we can't. We have to take it with a grain of salt because of COVID." So, uh, which one is it? Is it the best ever, or is it one that we have to put an asterisk by that we shouldn't consider no, it much of a national championship? Uh, no, I, I don't like the asterisk thing because Eric, they still had to go through their conference and play games and beat teams. They still ended up being undefeated. They, I mean, they they dominated Notre Dame. Then they thrashed Ohio State. Like, there's no asterisk to it. You know, they, they won the games they were supposed to win, and they got to the playoffs and beat the teams they were supposed to beat to win the championship. What I don't agree with, though, is the whole greatest team ever. Nick Saban's had some pretty doggone football teams in his time over at Alabama. Uh, I would, uh, I would honestly say I've got people texting me now about what. Jeez, what have you done, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> I've got people texting me right now asking if I'm doing all right and telling me that they love me. Stop it. Um, the 2010 team that that just. I mean, took Texas behind a woodshed. Colt McCoy's Texas Longhorns behind a woodshed. Um, and that defense was incredible. The, oh man, I think it was the 16 team 
I think that beat Clemson uh, was really, really good. Not as good defensively, but great offensively. And this defense or this this team was good. I don't know if I put them in the best ever, though. I mean, there are some good teams that they beat back in the SEC day of that 2010. Florida being one of them. Tim Tebow led. that. In fact, that was one of the more talented Tim Tebow led teams in the Florida era or Florida dynasty that they had. Thing is, this year's team, there was only one team that gave them uh, maybe a, a bit of a game and, and make it a challenge. Made it a challenge. That was Florida in the SEC championship. Mm-hmm. Other than that, Ohio, uh, Alabama rolled over their competition, yeah. just dominated them. And the other thing too, this was a season. It was all Power Five schools. One after another. There were no powder puffs to start out. No easy tune-up games. It was right out of the gates. Power 5 schools. SEC schools. And they took down several top 10, several top 25 teams in doing it. Yeah, I think they have four. Is that four top 10 wins I think they have this Uh, season? Let's see. So uh, Florida was one. Georgia was two, and then what they did here in the championship uh, playoffs, uh, number four, Notre Dame, and number three, Ohio State. Yeah, I... Uh, and and when, when you look at uh, all of those by aggregate, they w- beat them all by double digits. <laughs> if you average it out. I mean, they beat Florida by eight, but everybody else they beat by double digits. Uh, so I have to think that this... This has to be considered one of the best Alabama teams of all so, time. So, speaking of best of all time, Nick Saban now passes uh, Bear Bryant, uh, Paul Bear Bryant, I believe, uh, as uh, breaking a tie with him for the most champ- national championships. Is Nick Saban the greatest college football coach in college football history? I think he have to say yes. Me too. I, I think it's a clear... I even think even if he wouldn't have won this year, I think he'd still have to say yes. I mean, six national championships, and he's demolished. I have to look at their national championship game. And he's been to the college football playoff more times than that when you consider other times that they've been. Mm-hmm. They haven't won, but they've been in the but discussion. They've been, in they've been in the hunt. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only loss they have is the Urban Myers Ohio State Buckeyes, and that team was that team was loaded with talent. They were good offensively. Um, defensively, they were stout, but I think offensively might have been one of the better offenses Ohio State's ever had. That includes Troy Smith in 06. I went to a national title game before getting throttled by Urban Myers Gators. Um, yeah, I boy, I, I put Saban at the top. I And I think you put him with the John Woodens. You put him with the Bill Belichicks. You put him with the Pat Summits. The... Uh, um, Ariemas, uh, UConn's women's coach. I, you put him with all those great coaches, both pro and college, and he holds his very own. Absolutely does. Uh, let's see. In the college football playoff era, there was only one year that Alabama wasn't in the top four. Wow. That was uh, last year because LSU. That's right. LSU went on the, went on the route. That's right. Knocked him out. But every other year, they have been in the college football playoff. Yeah, I. Uh, it's so impressive. It's so ridiculous what he's done time after time, year after year. And he's doing it with new players. I mean, you're sending 12, 13, 14, 15 guys to the NFL draft. And so you have to, and, and they don't rebuild. Well, that was they part of the thing it. with LSU, right? Oh, they were so good. They yeah. sent so many guys to the yep. NFL. Yep. That's why they had a down year. Alabama doesn't have down years. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Saban doesn't take a year off to reload. Oh, man, it's so impressive. It's unreal. It's just, yeah, it is. It's unbelievable. And I, I'm, I'm running out of words every year we talk about it. Like, where do you put him now? Like, what do you say about Nick Saban now? And, it, like, the system never changes. I mean, you talk about consistent. No, it has changed. Well, uh, sorry, the coaching. That's what's you, the other unique aspect of what Nick Saban has done. Yeah. Look, early on in his career at Alabama, he would openly mock Oregon and their high pace and their lots of scoring. 
Look where Alabama is today. Yeah, with Sark. Lots yep. of scoring, high yep. pace. You That's can't a compete. good point. I think it's more the coaching philosophy in the mental aspect. He's True. hard on every single kid, whether it's a starting quarterback, all-American receiver, or Outland Trophy offensive lineman winner. He treats everybody the exact same, and if you don't do it right, he's going to chew your butt out. And he's going to let you have it. He chewed out Lane Kiff on national television. He's got after Sark on national television. Um, he, You name it, and he's got after him. That's the kind of coach he is, and that's why he's so good, because everybody's on the same line. Nobody gets preferential treatment. Very high standard, and everybody, oh everybody high standard. has to march to get to there. And yeah. you know who we learned it from, though? Bill Belichick in Cleveland. There's a story one time that uh, I think it was uh, two. It was two weeks in, and they were just going through coaches' meetings. And Saban was so excited to be, you know, one of the new members of Bill Belichick's staff and learn from Bill Belichick. And and he said um, in the story that during the middle of week two, he was crouched over and hyperventilating in a hallway after a meeting because he didn't think he could make it through. He didn't think that he could be comprehend everything that goes in to preparation the way Bill Belichick does it and the way he expected his staff to do it. He started throwing up for like, they didn't say how long, but he started puking, he said, till he had nothing left in his system that day. I mean, he was just so exhausted and so overwhelmed. Um, and, uh, and now you look at him and he's a seven-time seven time national well, eight time if you take LSU included in 04, national champion. It's incredible, man. It's it's just amazing. It's an incredible track record. So, Eric, the college football season's come and gone. We made it through COVID. About what you expected, less than you expected, or is it better than you expected? Okay, so, yeah, every conference approached the season differently. We had some schools like Alabama who played 13 games. We had some schools like Ohio State that – with the college football playoff, adding a few games to their schedule, <laughs> they played eight. So vastly different. Uh, but you know what? They were able to figure it out by and large. And college football was able to take place. They proved you can still play the game. There are ways you can still compete. You can still put a team out there on the field of play and let the players play. Yeah. So, yeah, it was weird, especially in the beginning. And it had some funky stuff in the middle with games getting canceled or postponed, try to get them made up, or trying to find new opponents in the middle of the of a season. Totally crazy. But they did it. They were able to make it work, except for how they continued to shut the door on the group of five. Yeah. If, that is not anything unique to 2020 no, and COVID. No. That is a long-standing problem. But I think we saw great teams. Well, not uh, we saw good teams in non-power five conferences have get started early, have great seasons, and still not be rewarded as as generously, generously, generously. Yeah. Okay. Yes, generously, Eric. As now, I have to think about that big word I just said, and I forgot my train of thought. Um, as other teams have been. And I think um, that right there tells you where the committee's heads are at. At whatever cost, stop G5 teams from being a part and breaking into the playoff because we can't have our prodigal sons um, be embarrassed on national television. Can't have it. Yeah, I I think that um, overall, it was good to see college football make it through. Uh, we're seeing college basketball get through their season. Uh, there have been some issues within the Mountain West Conference and with others, but they're, they're, they're finding ways to make it work. Um, the lower level of college football is going to be starting soon. Weber State. Is it oh, weird as that sounds? They, their season is going to be starting like February next month. February 27th. I forgot about that. I totally forgot Big Sky was playing football. <laughs> and it was a model that some conferences were going to were, were going to follow. How weird would it have been to go through the entire fall watching all these other teams play, and for Mountain West schools like Utah State to sit there idly by and watch it happen, and then think, I guess we'll play in the spring. How's that going to work? 
And I think you would, I believe you brought this up at one point when we were talking about it way back when, but you would have had more questions and more concerns if we did spring ball than if we would have just played in fall. Like, that just there had oh, been yeah. amounts of questions. And I believe you brought this up, and it was such a good point, that just the amount of concerns, the amount of questions, the health of the safety and kids, it, it would have brought on more of a burden if we would have done that, played in spring, than if we would have just played in the fall. It would have made it so much more complicated. And, and I mean, for heaven's sakes, Utah State dealt with enough adversity and issues and whatever else, but that's where we're at. All right, we've got to take a time out here on the Full Court Yeah, i got to read 14 text messages, Eric. 14 text messages. Why? 15. What? Stop it. <laughs> if, Pe- if 12 wanna, of these are you. People want to uh, If If 12 you know of these messages you. are you, I'm going to be really unhappy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's a full court press. We'll be back in a little bit. There's a calm surrender to the rush of day. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson and the uh, Ringmaster. You. Getting a lot of love. And by the way, now, look, 9315 is stuck to the Ringmaster. Yeah. Shame on you. He says, AJ. Go for it. No, I don't want it. You do it. AJ, you are the Ringmaster. I'm ashamed. Eric has it spot on in helping you. Oh, y'all. Helping me. Ohio would have done better if they had more players that could play. I I don't even think that helps. I think Alabama was so loaded that... (laughs) It didn't matter who was on that field. Would it have helped? Yes. Would it have really mattered? I don't think I mean, it was 52 so. to 24, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says, I want anybody but Bama next year. Tired of them being there all the time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the rest of the nation would agree with you, except for the state of Alabama. Tuscaloosa is title town. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> uh, this isn't... Necessarily my stat. Okay. But I'm going to share it. Share. Sharing Um, is caring. Alabama is the first team in the poll era since 1936 to win six titles in a 12-season span. Oh, my gosh. The only other team to win six in a quarter century or less is Alabama, (laughs) who did it in 19 seasons from 1961 to 1979. This is the second time they've won six titles in 25 years or less, 19 years or less. And what was that? Was Give me that second number again, 16 titles in in 19 years, man? No. So they won uh, six titles in a 12-season span. Yeah. Uh, but they also won six titles in 19 seasons, from 1961 to 1979. Good night. And there were 12 records broken or tied Monday by Alabama. Some of those were SEC records. Some of them were championship records. 14 records? 12. Oh, 12. 12 records broken Still. or tied on Monday by Alabama. That is just a butt kicking. I just. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, that was, that's an unstoppable machine. <clears throat> All right, so let's get into the stat the that stat blew that our minds mind. and our player of the week. I had a few of them, actually. Um, and. This one is the one that I thought was just the more, uh, I guess, relevant to what happened on uh, Saturday and Sunday in the in the wild card playoff. Uh, three of the seven longest active droughts without a playoff win got snapped this this past weekend, according to Live Sports. The Browns was twenty six years and nine days. Bills were twenty five years and ten days, and and they had the fourth and fifth longest gaps between playoff wins in NFL history. In NFL history, 26 and 25 years. So you're looking at 51 years and 19 days between the two teams that they Crazy. hadn't won a playoff game. Those were two very happy franchises and their fan bases. What a butt-kicking that was. I know you already talked about it yesterday, but just what the Browns did to the Steelers. 
<laughs> Good night. Nuts. Impressive. Yeah. Uh, for me, we've kind of talked about this the other day, the Utah Jazz, how well they did in Milwaukee. Yeah. They set a new franchise record with 25 three-pointers. But I hadn't realized this. this they were the first team in NBA history <clears throat> to have five players each make at least four three-pointers in the same game. So not only did they set a franchise record, they set an NBA record <laughs> in how they beat the Bucks. The first team in NBA history to have five different players make at least four three pointers in the same game. And Eric, they're still the most one of the most inconsistent offensive teams in the league. That inconsistency is a big storyline this year. Yeah. Milwaukee Bucks either blow teams out or get blown out. Yep. Absolutely. And there are a number of teams that are having that same fate. Well, and the Jazz Dallas either Mavericks shoot well or don't ball. shoot well. I mean, it just depends. They had to survive the Pistons for crying out loud. Uh what, a night or two later? And so, uh, yeah, I, I'm, really, I'm really surprised about the slow start the Bucks are off to. All right, who's your player of the week? Devontae Smith. I, 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 I think, I mean, I was going to go Josh Allen. I really was. But watching Devontae Smith just spin defenders, Ohio State Buckeye football defenders, spin them in circles, and he wouldn't just spin one. It'd be three or four. He was running a simple out route, but because he gave one huge jab step inside, then pulled it out, there was two defenders going the opposite direction. He was left wide open. It's just stuff like that. And the ways he scored last night, 215 yards in the first half? Like, come on. I mean, it's just, and I mean, there was one on a bubble screen where he outran three Ohio State Buckeyes to the end zone. It's incredible. I, Devontae Smith put on a show last night, and I that's my absolute player of the game. Uh, for for me, my player of the game is Cam Akers, uh, the rookie running back for the uh, L.A. Rams. Uh, he set a Rams record for a rookie running back in a playoff game. Uh, he has 21 touches. They're tied for the most by any player in the first half of a playoff game over the last 20 seasons. Uh, his 142 yards from scrimmage were the most by any player in the first half of a playoff debut in the Super Bowl era. That's since 1966. And his 176 total scrimmage yards are second most by a rookie in a playoff debut since Billy Cannon did it in 1960, and he had 178. So Cam Akers, I thought, played a huge role for the Rams' uncertainty about their quarterback position. Uh, they were on the road, and uh, the, the the backup ends up getting hurt. Goff comes in with a hurt hand, but Cam Akers was solid and was a big part of how L.A. was able to get past Seattle. Yeah, that's a good one. That defense for the Rams deserves a nod, too, because what they did to Russell oh. Wilton in that offense is just <laughs> absolutely doggone impressive. Absolutely. All right, going to call a timeout here in the Full Court Press. When we come back, we're going to have a conversation with Randy Kearns. He is the next head coach for the Mountain Crest Mustangs. He's not from around here, so yeah, we'll what, ask him what, what brought him from Ohio. Yeah, here. what will bring him from Ohio <laughs> to Hiram. So that's coming up next here in the Full Court Press. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. Are you feeling better, Ajay? <laughs> There's been an outpouring of I love feel today. Fine. I've never, it didn't even, y'all, you're telling people I'm moping around the building. <laughs> Maybe just your posture. It's posture, and I'm just old. One, one person texted like, it. Maybe I'm, just your posture. I'm like the hunchback of Notre Dame. I'm getting old. Although and, there was also a text recommendation that you wear, um, what was it? Uh, wear what? Wear pinstriped baseball coaching pants. And that'll change your attitude. Oh, jeez. I actually looked really good in pinstripes, by the way. I look very slimmy. Very slimmy. Okay. <laughs> that the look on your face. I have not been moping around. I feel great. I've had a great week, actually. It's only Tuesday. <laughs> Just getting started. <laughs> so, hey, let's shift gears. Um, this uh, Maybe some folks uh, are not happy with last night's outcome. Certainly, if anybody that follows Ohio State or is in their region might not be very happy. And one of those guys who's in that area... Oh, why did you bring him up Ra- like that? Randy Kurtz. <laughs> oh, shame on who's, you. Who's the head coach at... Who was the head coach at uh, Fairborn High School, which is uh, just outside of Dayton, not too far from Columbus. 
Uh, but he's been named as the next head coach for the Mountain Crest Mustangs. Coach Kearns, thanks for joining us today here on the Full Court. Hey, Press. Coach. Hey guys, how are you, man? Hey, I, I tell you what, I almost hung up on you when you when you said when you brought up that game from last night. So, <laughs> I don't so blame you. <laughs> you get to, well, people want to hear from Coach Smith anyway at five o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, uh, you've uh, you're you're a younger head coach, but you've had some experience with some really good programs. Uh, sure. uh, you've been at a couple different stops along the way uh, as well. Uh, sure. Before we talk about kind of that experience that you've had, I think the biggest question that a lot of us has is. How is a guy from Ohio come to Hiram, <laughs> Utah? How did you find out about the job and decide to throw your hat in the ring? Well, actually, I've been looking out west for a couple of years, and I believe me, you're anytime I ever talk to anybody, even if they're from here, they're like Utah. What? Like you know? So it's a, I actually have been looking out west for a couple of years. Um, it's something I've always wanted to do, and just um, I've been in Ohio for you know thirty three, thirty four years. So it's like. I want to experience some new things in my life and see what see what's out there. And definitely, this was I actually just got on was on kind of um, the uh, Utah State Athletic Association website and just kind of looking for jobs that way and in that region or in uh, Utah and Colorado region, pretty much. Um, and just saw Mountain Crest and I was like, all right, let's take a look, you know, because you want to for you know if you're not really going to put in for it if they're just flat terrible, to be honest with you. So I was like, man, the history's there. So I was just like, I'm going to put in for this. I just got kind of ended up that way. Coach, the illustrious of Mountain Crest football. I'm a former alum of Mountain Crest Mustang football. All right, uh, great. And, and uh, was there for four years. And we were the success at Mountain Crest was consistent. And it was every year, state semifinals right. for state championships. And now we've had this, uh, you know, past couple, three or so years where it's just been kind of down in the dumps. How do you come and into uh, a program that's been struggling a little bit and try to turn things around? What is your plan? What is your idea? Well, the good part is, uh, and this is what I told the, the committee and the people of the administration from Mountain Crest, I've had experience doing so. So my job now is that a perennial, um, at Fairborn has been a, a perennial, I mean, like for a better term, doormat. Um, and I came in here, and we in two years we went from three and seven to six and one this year. So we've uh, the good part is I have some experience doing that. But honestly, it's just coming in, it's setting a clear culture, man. I mean, there, there's clearly the talent there. It's like you said, um, there's clearly the talent in the history. People want a winner, that's for sure. I mean, I've been plenty of outreach so far towards me, which is nice. Um, but just setting the setting the path, setting a clear culture, establishing those core values, holding kids accountable, um, and really pushing them. And, and to me, the big it comes down to trust. I think probably um, back to your days as a player, and with all the success, and even up until the last few years, there's probably a high level of trust. So anytime there's there's this uh, downswing like this at a place that's always good, um, that I think that would be where it starts first. Coach, this, uh, you, you mentioned you've been a part of uh, some turnaround efforts at different sure. places. Uh, you were at National Trail, it's at your alma mater, uh, you right. went to Swanton, and, uh, and then there's some changes, it sounds like, with realignment and who's going to be where. And so it right. kind of, there was a lot of change that was going on in, in the area where you were, but it seems like every stop along the way, you've been praised for your positive attitude and really helping to turn things around where you've been. Uh, how... How challenging is that, or how exciting is that for you to be in, in those types of environments where you get to kind of come in and, and try to set a new tone? Oh, and I really enjoy that. You know, I'm just kind of a, like I said, I'm kind of a builder in a way. Um, I enjoy just my personality. Um, I guess it's the way I was raised, luckily for me. Um, I'm just kind of a builder as far as a, a positive thinker and a guy who likes to build kids up and just kind of make people feel good as the best I can. You know what I mean? So that's kind of that's kind of how I mold how I mold it. It's just like you know, how would I want to be treated as a player? You know, to a certain extent, I I was treated the opposite way in high school a lot. So it's kind of like, well, I'm not going to do that. So, um, but yeah, it's kind of, it, that's basically what it comes down to. Coach, do you have a staff put together yet? Oh, gosh, no. I mean, we, I, I've been a coach for uh, about a week and a half. Now, I have had about, I interviewed about four guys, uh, four guys so far. Um, I got Coach uh, Coach Olson coming back. He's my only staff member so far. He's a longtime Mount Crest resident and yeah. teacher. So, um, well, he seems to be a very well respected man around, around the community. But outside of that, um, got plenty of interest. Guys reaching out. I think <clears throat> a program like Mount Crest kind of sells itself. You know, like you guys were saying. So, uh, people know we can we can reach that that pinnacle again. So, 
Um, it's going to take some time, but I'm not going to just hire guys just to hire. Okay. I got to set. I got to set um, criteria that I'm looking for in an assistant, and I'm not going to deviate from that. So if it takes me a little longer to put together the staff that the kids need and the school deserves, then I'm going to do that. Coach, is there? Any, I guess this may not be able to be answered yet either. Uh, do you have any intent besides Coach Olson to bring anybody else from the old staff back, or is it just Coach Olson? Uh, I haven't met everybody yet, so I would say that there is definitely a possibility of that. That's for sure. But like I, I told the administration, if the, if if there's guys that don't meet my criteria that I want, um, if they're not um, guys that have positive energy, if they're not reliable and, and accountable guys, and if they're they can't build relationships with kids, then uh, don't even give me their name. You know what I mean? So, that's awesome. That's kind of where I started. That's awesome. I think one of the questions too is, you know, what what style of uh, of offense, what style of defense do you like? Uh, we see the the numbers and in, in, in some of your turnaround efforts, your team sure. your teams improve defensively and they also improve offensively. Generally, philosophy, I, I guess, if that's fair to ask, you know, for offense and defense. Sure. Well, I, I kind of base that around. Honestly, I've been a wing T. I've been a wing T guy for the last five years of my career. Um, five of the six years as a head coach. Um, I've been a wing guy, I believe, and running the football, and we have run the football, and run the football pretty well. Um, but I'm not married to it, if that makes sense. Um, defensively, I've always been a fan of the 3-4. Um, but, like I said, um, I kind of established my schemes and kind of based off once I hired my coordinators, but um, kind of established my scheme based off what I call the plan to win. Um, and that there's four things on there that we got to do to win games. And we're going to set our schemes and our philosophies, how we're calling plays, et cetera, around those four things. So first, right at the top is playing great defense. <laughs> That's number one. And I know, I mean, everybody I've talked to talks about Mountain Crest and how they've always been known for a hard nose, a tough defense. So I'm really looking forward to, to getting that back. Coach, uh, Coach Opel, this is okay to ask. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? Oh, sure. Uh, actually, I'm, just, I, I'm not married. I do have a girlfriend. Um, she, she's going to be moving out with me. We're going to make the move together. Um, hopefully, uh, sometime in the next few months, it should be, this should happen at the latest. Unfortunately, it might be June. Um, but it's just me. We have a really long haired, um, cat. You ever seen those, the angry cats, the grumpy cats online or the <laughs> pictures of that stuff? Yes. Like that's, it's one of those cats. <laughs> nice. It's pretty funny. Um, and then I have, I actually have a, a dog as well. So. Uh, but it's, that's pretty much just what we have right now. So, but uh, my family um, traditionally is from Southwest Ohio. Like when you talk about why why Utah, that's a big question for a lot of people because <laughs> I have absolutely zero ties to that, that area. So, now, Coach, uh, I would assume that you made a trip out here uh, to to, sure. to see what the facilities are like, what the people are sure. like. What were your first impressions when you came into Cache Valley? Oh, it's beautiful, man. I mean, even even just flying in, it's just beautiful. And it's one of those things that when you when you see it, even from the air, you just kind of fall in love with it, you know. And I know with some of the staff that Coach Anderson's putting together at uh, Utah State up there, I've been seeing some of those guys post pictures of, of it when it's the first time they see the mountains and they see all, all the outdoor things that you can do and just the beauty of it. So, And I know how safe the place, how safe the valley is and Everybody I've seen and talked to has just raped about it. They're like, man, you're going to love it out here. So I'm excited about it. So the Valley, the region, what excites you the most about being at Mountain Crest High School and coaching football here? Uh, Honestly, to me, I think it is that tradition and that history. I'm I'm, Like I told I actually, today was the first time I actually met the kids. Not in person. We did a Zoom meeting today with with all the kids, which was was at least something, you know, is the world we're in right now. So, um, like I told the kids, I'm here to win, and I, I'm here to win state championships. So that, to me, is probably the most exciting thing is, is what they've uh, been able to do all the time. You know, ever, Like you talked about, the consistency and getting it back to that, um, that's probably the most exciting thing for me. Coach, this is uh, you, you talk about wanting to do more of a, a wing-T type of offense. You've, last year you had a 1,000-yard rusher uh, on sure. your squad, uh, a very stout running team. Uh, but also, uh, as you mentioned, a good defensive team. You had one of the top uh, guys in the in your region with uh, right. w- with takeaways, uh, with the seven interceptions right. on the year. Right. What was it last year like for you and where you were with trying to manage a season through COVID and still trying to put together a successful year? Oh, it was wild, wasn't it? I mean, based off of some of the things I've seen, I we definitely were. Ohio was definitely at the at the forefront of the 
the restrictions and all the guidelines that were even more so than places like Utah and out west because I think it took a little longer to get to those parts of the country. Um, but it was wild, man. We had to set down cones on the sideline um, every six feet, and we zigzagged them, and kids had to stand on the cones. I think I spent more time during the game, and luckily I didn't call off in 30 minutes, more time on the uh, during the game saying, get on a cone than, do, than anything else. Um, but just keeping kids masked up on the, the best you could everywhere. Um, it was it was interesting. We started out pretty pretty well with that. Um, COVID hit our, my team twice, so we had two shutdowns actually, two ten day shutdowns during our season. That's why we only played seven games. Um, but it was uh, yeah, like you said, we had really good kids. I, we had a, I had a really good senior class this past year. Um, a couple kids who are, are definitely moving on to the next level and playing football. Um, but I just kind of built a hard nose old school style football team, if that makes sense. Um, but that's kind of, so that's kind of how I believe, but it was just a wild season, but kids just persevered, did everything we, everything we asked them to do. It was nice to see. They deserved it here. Cause not many, not many people in this area make the kids at Fairborn feel good. You know what I mean? So I kind of felt, uh, I was really happy for us. Coach, I, the region here is very close. I mean, you've got six schools. Sure. Within thirty minutes, twenty minutes, I guess, better being the furthest school from you. Have you got an idea yet? And I know you're I mean, just a week and a half in. Are you starting to get a feel of how much these games matter? You know, between Mountain Crest and Ridgeline, and Mountain Crest and Scavenger Logan, just because of their proximity, closeness, and the kids knowing each other. Actually, yes. Some of the people I've talked to, um, just community members and guys from you know the committee and administration and people that. The stakeholders, I like to call them, uh, Mountain Crest, but they talked about the rivalries between these teams. And, like, you know, these kids grew up playing many, uh, they played in these mini bowls against each other, and they do all this and that. Um, and the, um, they're like, I was talking to one one parent, and he said, it's it's crazy. He goes, these kids, you talk about rivalries, and, I, and that's all great. He goes, but sometimes I feel like these kids just flat out hate each other, man. They just want to beat each other so bad out there. So I, that to me, Especially when you got schools like Ridgeline and and Mountain Crest, what are they like four miles apart? Like it's, I mean, that's um, the intensity behind that. I, I'm very excited for. Yeah, it is uh, a lot of schools in a close uh, proximity to each other <laughs> makes life pretty interesting on game day oh, to yeah. say the least. Right, and that, I've heard numerous times, even from other coaches, a couple coaches I know down in Park City area and things like that, and down in Salt Lake area, they've reached out on Twitter, but like, man. Yeah, I think you're going to love it up there. You're going to love the kids, the hard workers at Mount Crest. But man, you're going into a bear of a region. So I'm like, all right, let's bring it, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, uh, it, one of the schools up here is a perennial uh, power. Mountain Crest has been there before, and it'd be fun to see if uh, you can bring them back. So I think there's a oh, lot of excited. excited people to see Mountain Crest get back on the stage where where they belong and where they've been in the past. So uh, oh, I'm excited as well. A lot of people excited to see Coach Randy Kearns on the sidelines for Mountain Crest. Hey, if you're looking for a water boy, I was all state my sophomore year <laughs> a while <laughs> back, right? and uh, I, I well, feel like I could contribute a lot. <laughs> hey, just make sure make sure you don't wear the pinstripe pants. You, know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want people just distracted by not. the pinstripe. Dude, I please like this not. guy already. I already love this guy. Hey, Coach Kearns, thanks so much for your time. We look forward to chatting with you more come fall. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Coach Randy Kearns, the new head coach for I the like Mountain Crest guy. Mustangs and uh, from Fairborn High School in Ohio. Uh, big turnaround from one year to the next. They were 3-7 and seven in 19, 6-1 this last year. So big turnaround for them. Yeah, and by the way, just the, the vibe you get from him, he wants to be here, he loves the kids, and he wants to make sure that him, the kids, and the community are all connected. That's something we haven't seen in the last couple of years. I'm excited about this Infused guy. Infused with a lot of positivity. Yes. That seems oh, to be I one love of the, the positivity consistent he themes when I was reading up about him. So that's, yep. that will definitely resonate. Can't wait. Him. All right, going to call another time out here in the Full Court Press. When we come back, uh, a couple more things to get into. Utah Jazz are in action tonight. We'll let you know what's going on with them and some new COVID protocols throughout the NBA. That's coming up next to the Full Court Press. Yaggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Welcome to the Full Court Press, Eric France and Ajay Salveson. 2776 texted in, by the way. I'm tuning in late, so I don't know why uh, Ajay is so down in the dumps. 
But if it makes you feel any better, you are one of my top three favorite current hosts of this show. That <laughs> 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 should make you feel a lot better. It's a make you. It's what is that? What is that? The Q ninety two used to do it, or I don't know if they still do it. Oh, it's somebody's day. Yeah, it's your day, AJ Salveson. <laughs> If tell you see AJ Salveson, tell, tell him, him he's, he's great. great. It's his day, it's his day. on 1069 The Fan. <laughs> I had 14 text messages because of you, Eric. <laughs> well, I don't know if I should be grateful or ticked. <laughs> be, I'm grateful. Kind of livid. be grateful. <laughs> be grateful. There's an outpouring of love and support. Because <laughs> you for really, for really no reason. No verifiable reason. Oh, shoot. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Jeez. Hey, we don't have a lot of time tonight. We, uh, we got Craig Smith at 5 o'clock, and we got to keep it to 15 minutes because Jazz and Cavs play. Uh, Jazz and Cavs tonight. Joe Ingles had only missed one game in 418 straight games. He's about to miss a second game tonight. Yeah. Might be, is it, are, are we more worried? I mean, this could be serious. This is an Achilles soreness. You, yeah, you got to be careful with that. Um, you, you don't mess around with that stuff. Uh, it's too bad that he's not there. I think he's an important part of... of Utah playing well, but look, he didn't play in the uh, Milwaukee game, and the Jazz were able to be okay. So the the real question here is, what team shows up? Yeah, uh, I, that's I, it's the question every night. Which team's going to show up? The team that can blow out their opponent, or a team that can come out there and kind of lay an egg? Well, no Kevin Love for Cleveland tonight. He's out as well, so maybe that helps out the Utah Jazz a little bit. If you can shoot well, give me just a what forty five percent from the field. Shoot that well, and we're going to win by a lot. But that might be asking too much. He's too inconsistent right now. And Bojan, do you think Bojan's unhealthy? Like, he just doesn't look right. Um, I mean, that wrist looks like it's still being a problem. To yeah, him. still He's a got a wrap, too, I think. Yeah, he's been wearing a brace. Uh, NBA Today issued some new COVID protocols, um, kind of tightening things down on the players. Basically, you're in a bubble, even though you're not in a bubble. When you're at home, you're, you stay in your house. So I didn't unless see you go pro- to a team activity and then you go back to your house. If you're on the road, you're in your hotel. Unless it's a team activity and then you can leave your hotel. No one who is not part of your group can come into your hotel or uh, into your home. <laughs> so they're going to be more strict about people coming in and out of uh, these residences and these hotels. Anything the about the on-court stuff? Because I know I think that's where we got issues with players hugging each other. After the game, post game handshakes. Are they going to eliminate those? Or I think that's. I mean, yeah. you, you've been playing a, a hard game and, and you're sweating. I think some of that is just kind of silliness. I, I think that's um, for show. Uh, but yes, that is going to be part of it. You you can't. Oh, it is part of it. You can't do high fives, right? You have to separate more when you're on the bench. You like after you make a free throw, you can't go around and hey, thanks, man, good job. Really? Nope. Can't do that. Holy smokes. What do you think about the Kyrie Irving situation? Uh, He was at a birthday party or a party of some sort with a family. 15 members were there. He was not wearing a mask. He's been absent without leave for like a week now. They just said have personal reasons. They haven't given any more details than that. But then videos surface of him hanging out at parties without masks on. The Nets knew what they were getting, Eric. They knew that they knew the baggage this guy brings with him. So here we go again. Unreal that he's that was like this is happening, especially under Nash's reign. Like, and I'm sure Steve is like, well, I don't know what to do with the guy. Like, you you're the one that brought him here. Well, the thing is, it's uh, the current NBA is if someone's not feeling good, they feel like they need a day off. They're not going to question it. And they're going to give him give him some time, give him some space. But Kyrie is is abusing that. Oh, if the yeah. NBA, if, yeah. the, if the Brooklyn Nets do not come down with a significant fine on this guy, then it is just a joke. Do you put a suspension there too, or is that asking? I guess, but if he violates protocol, there's yeah, got to be a suspension. If he's out there going to parties and not following the protocols, there's got to be there. a suspension with that. Yeah, there's going to be punishment. There should be discipline. What a mess again. He's he's creating it. It's it's too bad. It's too bad. Um, but it, yeah, it is because he's a good player. Uh, key for the Jazz win tonight. What do you got? I just got shoot well. Just shoot it well, please, consistently. I, I think yeah, share the ball, shoot it well, uh, and I think just clamp down on defense. You know, don't let 
Don't let Cleveland feel like they can have a little bit of mojo. Don't give them any confidence. Give yeah, some breathing room. I like that. You don't want to let a bad team hang around and start to get feeling pretty good. And when you have like a 20-point lead, keep it, please. Yes. Quit blowing big don't leads. Don't go lax on D. So bad. Not I don't good. Know. I'm worried about it. So that's coming up uh, 520 pregame here on the fan, 530 tip-off, Utah at Cleveland uh, to take on the Cavaliers. Coming up next hour, we're going to have a chance to speak with Craig Smith, the head basketball coach for the Utah State men's basketball team. Boy, they have been on a tear in conference play. We'll talk to him about uh, winning games by that kind of a margin. We'll ask him about uh, kind of how his team's coming together uh, and how he feels about his team right now so far through conference play. So that's coming up. Stick around next hour. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson here on a Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for not calling me the ringmaster or the deflator. Appreciate that. Why do I need to when you do it yourself? Kind of sick of that nickname going around <laughs> the whole entire valley. People listen to us, including Coach. It's no, good it stuff. You know, you started it when you put the mask on and you asked me to start taking <laughs> no, pictures of you. I did not ask you. <laughs> and you shared it this on social media. not modeling for you, yeah. you little purple. Uh, okay, so... Uh, anyway, we've uh, we, we've had some fun today talking to coaches, and it's going to continue. Uh, we're going to talk to the Utah State head men's basketball coach, Craig Smith. Aggie basketball is in full swing for Mountain West Conference play. They've had a great start through their first six. Uh, it gets decidedly more challenging this week with San Diego State coming into town. So uh, first, before we get into San Diego State, let's find out about how things are going so far. Craig Smith joins us now here on the Full Court Press. Coach, thanks for your time today. Hey, Eric and Andre. It's always great to be on the show. I appreciate you uh, having me on. We're excited to have finally have a home game. It's been like three weeks or so, so we're excited to be back in the spectrum and in front of our home crowd. How has that been? This is a very different schedule this year where you play two teams kind of back-to-back. Sometimes there's you, know, you have to travel and you stay there for a while. Uh, what's it been like so far, just the way that the Mountain West Conference schedule has been laid out? Yeah, it's really difficult to explain. I'm not sure how to describe it. It was very surreal for you know last week for sure playing uh, New Mexico in Lubbock, Texas. Like that was uh, in an arena nobody's ever been in before. You know, we're at a at Lubbock Christian, which is a D2 school. It was a nice facility, but it was just just different. You're preparing to play the New Mexico Lobos. Um, on some random floor with literally nobody in the arena. And so uh, it's been very different from that respect. You know, same thing when we played at Air Force, there was no fans. Uh, we played, when we played in South Dakota, no fans. And so, yeah, that aspect that you're dealing with. And then in terms of league play, when you're playing the same team twice in three days, uh, it's very, very different. And it's a, it's a challenge from the standpoint of, um, two games in three days, but you're playing the exact same team. So it's easy, I think, from a player's perspective and a preparation perspective for the second game because you've been talking and, and scouting that same team for four straight days or even five straight days. And so from that respect, it's easy. But, you know, we've been fortunate to have some um, some big wins in terms of, you know, winning by 20 points or more or whatever. So now human nature to get, you know, mentally ready to play two days later against that same team um, has been an interesting process. I'm proud our guys have obviously handled it very, very well um, up to this point. You know, at the end of that New Mexico trip, we were gone for eight out of ten days So you, you, with, with back-to-back road trips. So uh, love how our guys have handled it in a professional manner. There's a lot of probably parallels to being like an NBA team in some respects that way. So, But you're right. Guys, now we now we've got the big boys coming in, and San Diego State is playing great basketball and uh, has proven to be one of the best teams in the country, and they don't have a whole lot of weaknesses, so it'll be a great challenge for us on Thursday and Saturday. Coach, you guys have won your first five games, or I guess six games, by an average of 33 points. No team in Utah State men's basketball in the last 20 years has done that. Uh, I know the uh, the argument is, well, you're playing low-end Mount West Conference teams, but to still be able to dominate the way you guys are game after game after game has really had to be impressive on your end as a coach. 
Well, yeah, we, we don't control the schedule. Um, we're just going to play who's in front of us. And, uh, we're, you know, we're just really concentrating on, of course, we want to win, but let's be the best that we can be and, and let's respect the game and play basketball the way we need to play basketball. And, uh, I, I thought our bench has really been able to do some great things. Uh, we're starting to figure some things out from that respect. And you can just see growth out of our young guys and you can see us starting to get some continuity and some chemistry and playing connected on both ends. And I, and we all want to win and we know we need to win, but you know, in our, in our case with our players, we're just worried about let's get better. Let's get better. And we're starting to be able to, you know, for a while, I just gave our guys too much too early uh, with our lack of experience and uh, lack of continuity and a lot of youth. And now we've been slowly able to kind of, add to our package, so to speak, on, on, on both ends, on the offensive end and defensive end. And, um, and, and you know, it's a, the first two years we've been able to do a lot of different things, and it's been able to help us have success. We've had to just kind of slow it down here a little bit and then gradually get into it. So it's been a great start. Um, you know, it's hard to believe six of our 20 game, league games are already done, um, and yet we've only played, what, 11 or 12 games. So it's that's an interesting dynamic as well. So, but we're excited where we're at. We want to keep growing and keep getting better, and we're going to be tested in every aspect uh, here in about three days. Again, we're talking to Coach Craig Smith, Utah State men's basketball team, and looking specifically at some of your players, it seems like uh, Nimi has really improved his game or, or taken it to another level defensively with the kind of uh, defensive influence he has on the game, certainly through the six-game stretch. Uh, would you mind just sharing with us kind of his progression that you've seen as being his head coach? Well, he's playing the best basketball of his career right now. Uh, he's been very, very consistent. Um, he's always had a great impact defensively. I mean, I think he was the defensive player of the year as a, in the Mount West as a freshman and obviously an all-league player both years, uh, his freshman and sophomore year. He, he just he was dealing with a lot last year uh, physically, and then that can mess with you a little bit mentally too. And, he seems to be in a great spot mentally. He's been able to take his game up. He had a great summer. He, he's the one player in our program that did not go home at all. He stayed here all summer um, to really improve his his uh, strength and his mobility, and he's done that, and his ability to get off the floor, his explosiveness. And so uh, he's bigger, faster, stronger. He's moving great. And when that stuff happens, you start playing in a confident level, and Obviously, he's really patrolling the paint at a high level and recently broke the all-time record for blocks in essentially two and a half years, maybe not even that, two years with all the time he missed last year uh, at a high level. So, And then offensively, he's playing really well. He's really He leads our team in assists. He's really sharing the ball, passing the ball. He's really improved his touch. He's been able to finish almost everything around the basket here um, these last few games. And so... Um, it's exciting, and that's what you expect. You know, it, it was a little bit of a process, but those four juniors, Namish Keda, Brock Miller, Marco Anthony, and Justin Bean, you know, you guys, those guys go from underclassmen as a sophomore where clearly, you know, Brito and Merrill and Porter were our leaders pretty much the last two years, um, where now those guys have really taken that next step from a verbal standpoint and a leadership standpoint and I think that's really helped us out here through this stretch where we've been winning a lot of games. Uh, Coach, Eric brought up a great point last week on our show that, look, Raleigh Wooster's numbers game-to-game haven't been standout-ish, but he's doing so much more that the numbers don't show. Can you talk about what you've seen from him on the court? Yeah, Raleigh Wooster is a, he's a, he's a heck of a player. And sometimes uh, I know myself and I think our staff have to kind of pinch ourselves that he's a true freshman. Um, because, A, he doesn't lack, act like it, his demeanor, the way he carries himself, he carries himself like an upperclassman. Um, but he still makes some rookie mistakes, but he makes a high impact on the game. He's steady with the ball, makes good decisions, um, um, and he's a great defensive player. You know, he has, he's been in a little bit of a rut, although he, I think he had three threes against the Air Force that second game. Uh, he's a very good shooter, shot it really well in practice the other day. Um, so that part will come. You know, his shooting numbers aren't outstanding. But he's just a, he's a steadying force. He's a calming kind of guy out there, knows exactly what's going on. Uh, and then what maybe people don't realize, a lot of times he's guarding the other team's best guard. 
uh, him and Ant Marco kind of, depending on the type of player they have in their team, kind of alternate in that role. And that's very rare that you can throw a true freshman out there and, and trust him to go do that kind of thing. So, um, you know, and then you go through that phase early on, his numbers were maybe a little higher, and now you're circled on a scouting report, and, you know, they start to get the word on you and, and that type of thing. But he's been a studying influence, and we're sure excited to have him over the next five years. Uh, San Diego State has always been uh, a solid program uh, in the Mountain West Conference. It looks like they're having a solid year again. They've had some close games. Granted, their competition in the Mountain West Conference play has been different than the Aggies, but early scouting the San Diego State team, how different are they this year compared to what we've seen in years past? Well, I mean, they're they're different, but yet they're the same at their core. I mean, they're going to defend, and they're always one of the best defensive teams in our league. They're always one of the best defensive teams in the country. Uh, if, if you don't play hard and you can't guard, you won't play for them. And that's just how it is. And that's also the reason they're always at the top of the standings year in and year out. Obviously, they got a lot of talent. Um, they have great rim protection in ANSA. Um, Matt Mitchell is a legitimate NBA prospect who plays the three and the four. And he's just a 6'5", 230-pound kind of bowling ball. I mean, he is a... He is a load to handle, and he can really get it going. He kicked our, you know what, last year, I think it was at their place. Um, uh, he's just a tough matchup for a lot of teams. And, you know, they, they lost three high-level scores. Malachi Flynn was an early second-round draft pick. Um, they lost what I thought was the best defensive player in the league. Um, so they got some new guards in there. Uh, what um, Shaq, Jordan Shackles, a senior who's been – uh, a regular in the lineup the last three years, very experienced. I just watched the game where he had eight three, uh, maybe it was seven threes, um, and a career high twenty eight points, and that was three games ago. So he's playing at a high level. We can't let him get easy ones. So they, it, it's kind of a you know every year they just kind of sub in new faces, but at the end of the day they're going to run their stuff. They're going to make you guard, and they guard at a high level. When you look at their percentages and their numbers there's not a whole lot of weaknesses to their game and so to beat san diego state you got to beat them because they rarely beat themselves and so we're going to have to be on point with our rebounding with our conversion defense you got to guard the ball and then we got to take care of the ball and not let them um uh get easy runouts because of our offense so it'll be a great challenge but i know one our guys are really excited about coach you like this mountain west conference schedule format um uh, you know, I don't anticipate it being around um, unless, you know, you're in a pandemic or something of this format. So do I like it? You know, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say I love it. I wouldn't say I hate it. I just think it's reality. And I think it was what's best for um, all the student-athletes and the teams involved to get as many games in as possible. You know, you're eliminating a lot of uh, airport time and travel time, and you're cutting your trips in half. Uh, in terms of just the number of trips. So it's just, it's different. And I think that's just the sign of what it is. You have to be able to adapt and adjust and make the most out of it. So, you know, I, I try not to, do I like it? Do I not? It's a great question. I know it's reality. And so you got to deal in reality. But to be, I, I think it would be, uh, I would be shocked if it stays with this kind of format and, and go back to the, you know, the, the more traditional format. Coach, we're running out of time, but one last quick one from me. Uh, I know you've you kind of touched on this briefly before, but a lot of new faces on this team. How well do you feel like the team has come together collectively as a team and understanding what you, your coaching staff is trying to get out of them? Eric and Ajay, i got to tell you, you know, I'm trying to keep my answers a lot shorter than normal. So uh, I don't know <laughs> if I'm doing a good job with it or not, but I'm trying. Uh, sound bites. Sound bites is what I always hear. Um, you know, I like where we're going right now. I, I do. I, I think we're seeing um, – it's easy to see, I think, the continuity and the uh, connectedness. We're playing way more connected now uh, defensively, certainly offensively, and that's kind of a normal progression. Usually early in the year, your defense is ahead of your offense. Really early in the year, uh, like I told our staff, we got two areas that we really got to improve. And I said offense and defense. And so, because uh, it was not pretty early, but I love how we're playing connected. We're really sharing the ball. We're, we've taken a major step in our ability to communicate, and it just takes time. It always takes time for the freshmen to adjust to the game. You know, like I tell 
uh, Raleigh. This isn't Hellgate High School. You went to Missoula Hellgate. And, and, you know, when Stephen Ashworth is at Lone Peak, obviously they were very, very good, but it's not Lone Peak High School anymore. So it takes time to figure things out and adjust and learn the language and our schemes. And not only does it take time for those young guys and inexperienced, we're doing that with a bunch of new guys without our summer that we typically can rely on and depend on. So I love where we're at. I, it just seems like we're getting better and better on a day-to-day basis. And I think that's reflecting on the, on the floor. And so nobody knows what the future holds, but I really like this team. I love how we compete. We show up to practice ready to play hard and get better on a day-to-day basis. And hopefully that will keep translating to wins. But let's just worry about getting better and better and play our best basketball in March. Coach, I know you got a big week ahead of you. Uh, thank you for your time and spending it with us. And uh, best of luck this week against San Diego State. Thanks, Coach. Hey, thanks for having me on, Eric and AJ. Appreciate you. Thanks, Go Coach. Aggies. That's uh, Coach Craig Smith. And, uh, yes, very big week against the San Diego State two Aztecs. Weeks. Huge uh, two weeks. Yes, that's true. Very big stretch here for USU. Um, some basketball news real quickly. I know we got the Jazz game coming up here shortly at Cleveland. Well, their game tomorrow has been postponed. The Washington wow. Wizards do not have enough players to make a full squad. At least you need at least seven, but because of injuries and contact tracing, Washington will not be able to field the team. So after tonight, the Jazz are headed back to Salt Lake City. So no Jazz game tomorrow. So we'll have a full show. So kind of bad news for them, but I guess good news we'll for take us. It. So Utah Jazz coming up next here on 106.9 The Fan. Your station for the Doug Gottlieb Show. Weekday afternoons from 1 to 4. Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.